Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Tim Roth, CEO at Capella Minerals, joins us again last year, the end of November, to update us as to the five projects and what's happening. So two uh, joint venture partners in Canada in the shape of uh, Ethos and Yamana, can't be bad, and two uh, projects in Norway, both copper, can't be bad, and a gold project in Sweden. So lots going on there, a little bit cash constrained, but some uh, a large amount of warrants coming uh, through at 12 cents. Shortly, they say could be 7 million bucks uh, contribution from that. So if you want our thoughts and opinions on his plans, uh, the outlook for this year with the drill program coming through, you can go and uh, check that out at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. We've got commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. We've got training courses and we do summaries of all the interviews that we do just to save you some time because we know you're busy people. But more importantly, we've got a wonderful, thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly and safe environment, free from all that judgment, trolling, abuse you see elsewhere. And if that sounds nice, go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. There is a little bit of a waiting list, but it's well worth uh, the wait when you do get there. So bear with us. Eric, how are you, sir? Yeah, hi, Matt. Uh, how are you? It's good to be back and uh, everything uh, good on this side. So uh, I guess we keep pushing forward with projects. Uh, I'm still uh, in Spain at the moment, but one of the good things in Europe is that they are starting to, well, in some parts anyway, loosen up some of the COVID restrictions, which is making life a bit easier for moving around. But uh, other than that, all good. So uh, we fantastic. keep uh, pushing things forward. Fantastic. Fantastic. You're, you're seeing Ibiza, Spain. Yeah, that's uh, correct. So so we're in a place called uh, Santillaria, uh, which is on the East Coast. And uh, mm. as I say, look, it's a much uh, simpler base. Uh, previously, we were based in Chile, uh, but obviously having all Northern Hemisphere projects now makes it much easier having the base here in Spain to, to get yeah. around and, and keep on top of the projects. Good stuff. Are you, are you uh, getting ready for the clubbing season or will you be leaving the island? Uh, actually, the first thing we do in July and August is get out of the island, to be honest. Uh, that, that's sort of right. I don't want to see, <laughs> to be honest. I don't blame you. Um, here in the winter and, uh, you know, the, the fringe seasons, but not the high season. Good time to get out. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> um, hey, well, okay, good, good to see you. We haven't spoken to you since, I think, the end of November. So, you know, you've, you've done, uh, I've done a few things since we last spoke. It's been good to catch up here. But before we do, give us that one minute overview of the business and I'll pick it up from there with some questions. Yeah, so, uh, so Matt, just to remind uh, your listeners too, so so we basically have five projects active at the moment. So keeping in mind that the portfolio that uh, Capella has today, we have three gold projects. And of course, uh, you know, the targets are high, high-grade gold targets on all of those. Uh, so we have two joint ventures in Canada, uh, one which is called Savant Lake, uh, which we did a deal with a company called Ethos Gold uh, back in September. So they are basically pushing that project forward. And that's one that they have to uh, uh, contribute to. We don't need to contribute to that uh, joint venture. Uh, the second joint venture we have in Canada is called Domain, and uh, that's actually a joint venture with Yamana. Yamana are the project operators. Uh, they are also pushing that forward. And I should also mention, too, that both the plan on both of those projects is to have drilling uh, during the second half of the year here on those. So, so both of our joint venture partners are pushing those uh, projects forward. Um, if I look at the Scandinavian side of things, uh, we did acquire the end of last year, three projects in Scandinavia, two high-grade copper projects, an old mining district in Norway, and uh, one uh, gold project in uh, in Sweden. So uh, so we have a lot on the go at the moment. You, you do, because you also sold off an Argentinian uh, asset, um, which I think you still got some sec securities on, haven't you? 
You own a little yeah, that's correct. Chunk so, of shares? so we did two divestitures. Yeah, so we did two divestitures, Matt, in 2020. So one was for shares. Uh, so we got basically just over a million dollars of uh, of stock in in Cerrado Gold. So that was the company that owns the the Don Nicholas mine, and, and they acquired us uh, or the subsidiary there for the Las Calandrias project, which is a neighbouring project to Don Nicholas uh, and Ethos as well. And Ethos Gold, that was the second uh, deal that gave us some shares as well. So that came out of the uh, the uh, Savant Lake deal. So basically, the, the deal we have with them is we got 2 million Ethos shares on signing. Uh, we get 2 million Ethos shares on every anniversary. Um, and of course, uh, you know, it, it, look, Ethos, as you, as you, you probably know, uh, they're a very uh, technically very strong team, very well connected in Canada. So we're very happy to have them on as joint venture partners at Savant. Fantastic, and uh, and obviously you mentioned you mentioned your mana there. So you, what what I'm seeing is you like doing deals. So deals get done, and uh, to reasonable size partners there. So there's some sort of certainty and security to that. Um, you picked up some assets from EMX, uh, Scandinavian assets, Norway and Sweden. Um, I, I guess the the exciting bit is copper. It's become a little bit topical. Uh, we're cents away from an all-time high on the copper price. Um, so tell us what you're doing on. I, I, well, let's well let's start with Kajoli first, if you don't mind, in Norway. Yeah. So uh, so just in terms of background, yes, as you mentioned, we did acquire the projects from EMX. Uh, it was actually a pretty good deal from our side. Uh, effectively, EMX got a 9.9% shareholding in Capella for that. And of course, at the time, that was you know basically about a million dollars worth of shares. Uh, Canadian in what are some you know basically some fantastic projects uh, the two high grade copper projects and of course the the, the one gold project in Sweden um, it, so just to take one quick step back on the on the Norwegian assets so keep in mind these are both old mining districts they've been dormant for the last forty years uh, they basically shut down in the mid eighties for two reasons one because of uh, low metal prices I mean we talk about uh, you know copper today being four four dollar seventy a pound but you know in the mid eighties it was sixty cents a pound so obviously they didn't make a lot of money. And the second thing that happened in Norway too was that they obviously discovered oil in the North Sea, which, you know, people just walked away from the mining industry and said, hey, there's more money to be made in oil, you know. So so basically the, the mining industry in Norway has been uh, dormant for the last uh, 40 years. So, but the, you know, both Sholey and Lochen were old mining districts and we've been looking at the potential to find satellites or new deposits along the prospective uh, stratigraphy for these massive sulfide, these copper-rich massive sulfide deposits. Okay. So, so you are you developing those jointly? Are you, is it shared budgets on both assets, or are you focused on one more than the other? Uh, yeah, so so it comes down to just uh, so at the moment there's no particular preference. We've just done more work at Sholey at the moment, uh, just simply because um, well, there's a couple of things. I mean, one is access, also the potential. I mean, you know, Sholey. Uh, you know, people who go to the website, they'll see photographs. You can actually walk on outcrops that are running over 2% copper, right? So it's kind of an obvious place to start in the sense of it's probably the area that's had the least work but has a lot of potential. You know, Lochen um, is a great project too, keeping in mind it was the biggest uh, copper deposit of its class, uh, these these um, massive sulfide systems. It was, a, you know, it produced about 24 million tonnes of 2.3% copper and uh, just a whisker under 2% zinc. So, so you know, it's a high-grade system too and, and very little exploration has been done. But we just focused on Sholey simply for, for two reasons. I mean, one is that 
um, well, really, I mean, there's, there's fantastic potential there. There's some drill-ready targets already that you can see just walking on these high-grade outcrops, but also we felt there was good potential to, to, to grow. And, um, you know, your listeners probably would have seen over the last week or so, uh, we had some an update on the, on the um, uh, drill targeting work we've done and some very nice targets have come out, some very large massive sulfide type targets, which now we'll zoom in on and, uh, you know, get them, you know, bring them along the path to drilling as quickly as we can. Okay. And I very quickly want to touch on Sweden um, with the with the Southern Goldline project there, please. Before I kind of, I want to kind of wrap this up in a, in a strategy conversation with you. So what's happening in Sweden? Yeah, so we've just, we did announce, uh, we started a, an auger drilling program. So, so what happens in Sweden? Sweden's obviously, uh, obviously it's a gold project, different geology, but also to, um, there's, there's a thin till cover. So obviously the best way to explore anywhere in sort of northern Sweden, Finland, uh, is through auger drilling. So, so what we have in the southern part of the property, we have gold mineralized boulders on surface. We've been using the auger drilling effectively to look for um, to move upstream, if you like, to look for the source of these gold mineralized boulders. So, so we, you know, we'll put out an update uh, shortly on how that's going. But uh, there's some good things coming out, and uh, um, you know, I think it's an area that uh, has a lot of potential. And as we know, there are multi multi million ounce deposits in that belt already, uh, including Barcelia. So we see a lot of potential in that belt as well for new discoveries. Right. So, so we've we've dealt with the, the portfolio, but Canadian assets with some good JV partners there. You got a you got. Some payments made and some securities given um, from from that. The Scandinavian assets, Norway, Sweden, great. Um, gold and copper, people 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 love it. But here's the thing: you're fourteen and a half million market cap company today. You're sitting on what in terms of cash, just over a million bucks. Yeah, it's about one point two Canadian. So right. we don't need to raise any money short term. I, I guess. Uh, uh, you know, one of the key messages for the market is we have enough for the moment in terms of just keeping the programs uh, going. Uh, we do have in the back pocket these marketable securities, which we can uh, liquidate as and when it's appropriate. Value of those? What do you reckon? Yeah, so so I, I guess right now they'd be about 1.6 million at, at current okay. uh, market prices. Okay. That's Canadian, of course. Um, but for example, a company like Ethos Gold, um, because of their track record, um, you know, now would probably be the wrong time to sell those shares. Uh, um, and also, you know, Serato too is obviously uh, they've got a great uh, portfolio down in, in in Argentina. But of course, we have the option to sell those whenever we feel is appropriate. Got it. And you got some 12 cent warrants coming through. You're 11 cents today, so you're you're, you're close. Um, so here's a question for you. You're the, you know, you, your team has had a, a success previously with the Mariana project. Uh, so, so you can create value. What's the strategy here? Because 1.2 million of cash were there or thereabouts. 1.6 million securities, which you don't necessarily want to cash in now. And some warrants are nearly there. But, but what do you think the warrants could be worth to you if, if, if they uh, do come through? Yeah, so, so the warrants are uh, basically about, it's about $7 million Canadian if right. they all get exercised. So we're right. actually just a whisker away from that. So, so you know, the way I see the strategy going is that we can at least initiate drilling. Obviously, with the money we have right now, we can't do a mega drill program anywhere. But the idea is to get generate the interest, show the concepts, prove that we've got what it takes to make a significant discovery on these projects. Um, and then the warrants will come into the money. And it becomes a snowball after that. These things grow um, sort of. I guess well, with well, their own they, well, they do and they don't, right? You know, most exploration stories don't actually make it. You have got a track record of success. So, I, I, when you say prove the show the concept, so, so talk us through the concept. What what are the processes? Because at this end of the scale, it's it, everything's a bit tight. You know, money's a bit tight. You know, margin for error is a bit tight. You know, it, it's harder 
down here. You can't make afford to make too many mistakes. So what is that mm-hmm. proof of concept that you want to share with the market? And I, I get, I'm hearing loud and clear from you, you don't want to come back into the market and raise capital. You don't want dilution at this level. I get it. But how do you how do you do that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's all just, they're all good questions, uh, Matt. And, and maybe I'll just take a step back and say, if I look at the assets that we acquired in, in Scandinavia, so we've got quite a good eye for things. And obviously, we know what has better than average potential. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, expiration covers. There's a lot of gray areas in there. Um, in the case of the two Norwegian assets, I mean, these are former mining districts, right? So, the, you know, there's also a, a, a motto in our business, the best place to find a new miner is in the shadow of a head frame, right? So, so you know, these aren't sort of greenfields projects out in the middle of nowhere. These are actually, you know, projects where, and in fact, I should really call them brownfields exploration because what we're doing is looking for uh, both extensions and satellites to the old deposits, right? So, so we know there's mineralization there. So that already you know, pushes you a few notches up in terms of the, um, you know, the prospectivity scale. So, so we feel very comfortable that the other thing too, to keep in mind with these massive sulfide targets, I like them for two reasons. One is that they're high grade. Um, so, you know, obviously, as you know, if you follow our history, we've always focused on high grade deposits, because I think at the end of the day, that is what makes sense to a small company. And if we had to build the mine, we could do it because they're things that, you know, they don't, they're not $5 billion capex projects to build. These are relatively small things that you could do. We could actually put it into production if we wish to. Um, but I, I think, so they're high grade. And the other thing with massive sulfides is they typically occur in clusters, right? So, so you know, it's just one of those things in geology that where you find one, you are going to find others. So, um, you know, to me, that's the attractiveness of massive sulfide targets. Um, and, and so that's why we feel very strongly that Norway has a lot of potential. As I say, it's been dormant for the last 40 years. Not much has been done in the last 40 years. And to be honest, um, Matt, if this was anywhere else in the world, um, you know, it would have been drilled out by now. I mean, I mean, people would just go crazy over a project like this anywhere else, right? So, um, and, and the same with Sweden too. I mean, Sweden's a little bit earlier stage. I mean, um, but it, there are mines in the district, and, uh, and and we do feel there's very strong potential for discovery there too. So, right, okay. So, but I want to come. I want to dig into this because you know you you've gone from eight cents to eleven cents since we spoke at the end of November. Okay, so that's it's a percentage, not insignificant, but you're still fourteen million, fourteen and a half million market cap. Okay, so people are perhaps pigeonholing you somewhere, and perhaps with companies that you perhaps don't want to be pigeonholed with necessarily. So I want to I want to dig in a little bit about this one. So how do you take three projects with the the capital constraints that you've got now to a point where the market's going to get interested? Because if the warrants don't come through, it does get a bit tight. If they do come through, I guess, you know, ha- happy days, you can probably do the things you want to do. So you, you're going to need to tell the market something more than they're hearing right now to get to that 12 cents, albeit, you know, it's fairly close. What are, what are they? What are they? What are you going to be saying to them? Yeah, absolutely, Matt, and uh, and you're right, and and, and absolutely, and we we always have that option of selling the marketable securities, right? So so that you know we have 1.6 million at today's prices in the back pocket, which at least you know gets things moving. Uh, I, I mean, I think uh, if I look at the, I mean, really, what you need to do is get get the drilling happening as soon as possible, and we get that. I mean, that's obviously what's really going to move the dial for us. Is I mean, we've done a lot of target generation work, and and we've done a lot in the last six months, I guess, since we've since we acquired the projects. But really, what the market wants to see is drilling, and so. So and, and we get that. And so we understand that we need to push all five projects as quickly as we can towards uh, drilling. So, you know, that's what's going to move the dial. You make a discovery and the whole picture changes. Right. I mean, that's the you know, that's the philosophy. And, and, and the way I see it, we have quite a few irons at the fire. We have the five projects and uh, uh, all any one of those five 
come up with it. Or, you know, more than one of them could come up with but, but discovery. It, sure, but the Canadian assets with the JV partners, you're not in control of that. They'll move it there, you know, the, the, to, to, the, to their drumbeat, okay? So you, you're waiting on that in, in, in a way. So your expectation is that they may drill, they may create value, and it may, may help you. But you. You're not in control of that one. So that's why I think, you know, what you do in Norway and Sweden is really, really, really important to get people to start paying attention to this. So we've seen quite a few Swedish companies, oh, sorry, companies with assets in Sweden come on, and they've done exceptionally well. But they've been able to talk about high, you know, high grade drill results, gold, uh, et cetera. So th- that's worked. So do you think that you should be focused on one, not all three of these assets to be able to bring the volume of drill results that are, are going to maybe uh, entice people into your project or into your company? Yeah, no, totally agree, Matt. And, uh, and and if I look at the three, so so the Canadian projects, you're, you're 100% correct. Uh, you know, they are the project operators. The joint venture partners are the are the operators. So so we do move to their drumbeat. Um, if I look at the Scandinavian assets, so as I mentioned, the Swedish project, we probably won't be doing diamond drilling this year. So we do have auger drilling happening. So so that's one project that we don't need to spend drill meters on this year. So so to me, the two projects that we have 100% control over are the two Norwegian copper assets. And, and let's face it, you know, and we do we do know that the quicker we can get in there and drill and demonstrate the high grade potential here, um, you know, in the current market, that will just go down so well. I mean, that's I'm what we're really aiming for. And why have you done that? I get they're former producers. So therefore, there's probably a bit more data. And therefore, there's some probably some targets which are going to be easy to throw up some high grade headlines for. Is, is that why you've done that and ignored Sweden? Uh, no, actually, because we can actually build mines here. So, I mean, I mean, the, what you, you know, you know, what 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 people basically forget is that because these are old mining districts, I mean, the infrastructure is just unbelievable. I mean, I think people would be, you know, would be completely shocked. I mean, I mean, at Lockin, I mean, you've got everything from the old mines still there, right? There's there's functioning shafts. There's an electric electric railway to the port. I mean, I mean, you know, half of the infrastructure that you would normally have to build for a mine. It's already there, right? You know, and and this isn't thinking about you know the cell phone coverage everywhere. There's paved highways, um, you know, and and in the and Sholdi the same thing. I mean, we're right next to the main railway that joins uh, Trondheim with Roros, which of course was the centre of the copper mining district in that Roros belt in that uh, the Sholdi area. Um, you know, so the infrastructure is just unbelievable. I mean, you can actually on the back of a discovery. Uh, you can move these projects very forward very quickly. The other thing I will just mention quickly too is there's obviously an abundance of hydroelectric power too. So, um, so you've got very cheap energy. So, you know, I think people forget the benefits of that that already. You know, that's a huge leg up when you're coming to the the, the mining type studies. You've already got half of it in in place, right? I mean, it's incredible. So, okay, so so Norway, not a lot of people appreciate this, is a good mining jurisdiction. Infrastructure in place. Does that also then? Uh, manifest itself in the way that uh, you are able to get permits, licenses necessary to do what you need to do. Yeah, so so I guess uh, that's one of the first questions we get to, from people, Matt. So because obviously, um, I got there eventually. I got there eventually. Yeah, there, there hasn't been a lot of. I mean, I mean, there hasn't been a lot of exploration in Norway the last forty years, right? So there's not many people that have gone through the process. So, well, having said that, there is a mine up north now being built. So, so you know, this one cab off the rank in the in the copper space. Um, the advantage that we have because these are former mining districts, uh, both Lochen and Sholdi. Um, so there's two things that are really important. I mean, apart from the fact that there's infrastructure already. Their mining-related infrastructure. Um, you know, the people that live in these areas 
um, basically they had family that were miners, right? So, I mean, you know, maybe it was grand, grandfathers or, or, or whatever, you know, but a lot of people actually had family working in the mines. And, and to be honest, they understand mining and, and they also understand Norwegians. Um, they also understand that we need copper for all the things that we want to do in this world. I mean, so, um, you know, so we've had a lot of support. I mean, obviously we need to make sure we're good neighbors and make sure we do everything properly and, uh, um, you know, as we would operating anywhere. Um, but, you know, people are very uh, supportive of the story because they, they, they understand that, uh, um, you know, these are good projects, they need copper. And the other thing I will mention, too, is that, of course, uh, you know, these areas that we're operating didn't see any of the oil boom, right? So, I mean, you know, so, um, you know, it was all the coastal towns in Norway that got the basically the, 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 the trappings of the oil business, right? So, um, so a lot of these towns just got forgotten over the years, I mean, for want of a better word. So, um, so there's a lot of support. And I, and I think, uh, you know, as I say, because there is a history of mining here, people understand it, they get it. Right, okay. So you, good place to do business. Um, some the messages I'm hearing from you are, no need to go out and raise money anytime soon. You've got enough capital to do the things that you need to do in Sweden. A little bit going, oh, sorry, in Norway, a little bit going on in Sweden uh, and your partners in Canada are proceeding as expected. So what should we expect next from you? More more of these uh, drills? Because I've seen a few headlines here with regards to surely, uh, you know, high-grade copper and zinc targets. When do we start seeing some numbers out of you? Yeah, so second half of the year is when we expect to be drilling on four of the projects, uh, uh, Matt. So, um, so you know, if I leave the Canadian projects aside for a moment, as I mentioned, both of those, we do expect to be doing some drilling in the second half. But, but in terms of our Scandinavian portfolio, um, the plan is basically to have some drilling happening here during the second half. So we're, we're really just, you know, making sure we got all our ducks in a row. As I say, in the case of Sholey, there's some obvious walk up drill targets. As I say, you can walk out there tomorrow and stand on, on mineralized outcrop, but we just want to make sure we have the targeting done properly so that when we go in, we are actually drilling the best targets. And, and, and of course, that's obviously critical for us um, to, to show the upside, to show the concept uh, in these builds. Beautiful. Eric, that's something for us to look forward to. Uh, stay in touch, let us know how you get on. I want to start seeing some, some of those numbers as they come through. Appreciate your time today. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Matt, and look forward to the next chat. I'm sure we'll have some really excellent, even better things to talk about next time. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.